In a Snyder Cut. <laughs> and that is what we're talking about today. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Can't go over it. Can't go under it. You must it. smash through it. Yeah, Hashtag the internet. <laughs> oh boy, did the internet smash through the it. The internet went, we want it. We want it. You're not going to get it. We want it. We're going to put a billboard in fucking it. Times Square. Give it to me. Okay, fine. Here it is. Now leave us alone. We're going to pretend we didn't give it to you. And then Warner Brothers, on their never-ending train of putting their foot in their mouth, went, you're lucky COVID happened. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's so like when we try to give, when we let Corn have his yogurt. They're like, fine, you can have that yogurt. You're not having any more yogurt. Yeah. No matter how much you ask for more yogurt. This is the yogurt you're getting. We're so glad we could complete your yogurt trilogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's <laughs> supposed to be five movies but okay yeah but you know trilogy shh trilogy anyhow hi and welcome behind the hype and your host is always brian dressel with me as always is chewy darso who just took a big swig of drink <laughs> good timing jonathan hardesty hello and matt zumba dog dykes oh boy here we are talking about a movie that i said i was never going to talk about both because I didn't think it was ever going to happen. And then I'm like, we don't do current movies uh, behind the hype anymore. So why would I ever do an episode on B? Oh, wait. We're going to do an entire month on Zack Snyder just so we can talk about Justice League. <laughs> we're going to do it. Well, uh, and it's been out over a month, so it's not, not current anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like At least the internet isn't still screaming about it. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> and Warner Brothers isn't like, just close the fridge. There's no more yogurts in there. Yeah, Warner Brothers isn't like, no, 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 no. Here, check out the new 4K... You know, you remember the Joss Whedon version, right? Look, new 4K. I don't want it! Fuck! Off! No! Here's our uh, crapberry yogurt uh, in the fridge that's been like six months old. It's more like, yeah, the fridge is closed, but, you know, do you want this yogurt that's been on the counter since last week? Yeah, we I'm sure it it's still safe to eat. Last week. It's like the, it's like the, the yogurt's been on the counter for a year. <laughs> it's got sun. flies and stuff crawling out of it. And like, no, 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 it's still good, it's still good. Yeah. No, look, it's strawberry. <laughs> berries and cream, berries and cream. I don't want it. Let me get what I want. No. Never. Um, yeah, so here we are. We're, we're talking Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, a movie that I have uh, very, I've said quite a few times now, and I, I will probably hold to this, might be in my top five movies of all time. Like, I love this shit out of this thing. I've watched it now nowhere. I've watched it now as many times as Matt did in one week. I've watched it three times. Um, twice in color and once <laughs> mostly in black and white, but halfway through I switched back to color. No offense to Justice is <laughs> Grey fans out there. It's just not for me. Um, it's so muddy whenever they used water. Yeah, like the Themyscira stuff, the Aqu uh, Aquaman stuff, or, you know, Atlantis stuff, if I want to say where he's from. All of it just does not work for me in black and white at all. The Batcave looked great, but everything else... Um, all right, but let's get started on Justice League. So uh, we'll do the, the very briefest of rundowns of both the movie and, like, the world around. If uh, somehow your head was in the sand and you didn't catch how all this happened, uh, allow me to catch you up to speed. In short, 
Zach uh, finished Batman vs Superman to a whole lot of crickets instead of applause. And uh, there's a few of us out there who are like, no, it was good. But by and large, people said, no, it's not. And Warner Brothers said, we need a more Marvel-like movie. And they told Zack to make a Marvel-like movie. So what he did was he made basically an Avengers worth of story and character and put it into one four-hour movie instead of an entire uh, phase worth of movies and pulled it off. And they're like, it's still too serious and not funny enough, and we want this and that and the other. And because Zack had recently dealt with a very big family drama and he just couldn't bring himself to do it anymore, he quit. And they brought in Joss Whedon, who shot a whole bunch of new, rather horrible footage. Mm -hmm. Um, And they took a four-hour movie, cut it into a sub-two-hour movie, shoved the thing out the door so they could all cash their big, fat stack checks. Uh, If you didn't know, they all got bonuses for releasing this before the end of the year. So that was a big motivator for getting it out the door as quickly as possible. Um, And uh, then years later, after long, long, drawn-out fan campaigns... Uh, including huge donations to suicide prevention, uh, a lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff, a lot of crazy people, a lot of not a crazy people. But either way, after a huge campaign, eventually came to HBO Max in the full framed version, beautiful four by three, exactly how Zach wanted us to see it for some reason. Uh, we got the Snyder Cut, and I, I don't even, like, we're still in the midst of the aftermath of the Zack Snyder cut coming out. Like, we still have what I would say is a pretty aggressive uh, media campaign from Warner Brothers to snuff out the Snyder love. Uh, we have a very aggressive fan campaign to restore the Snyder verse, which I think is kind of like a kid saying, no, mom and dad, don't get a divorce. I know you hate each other, but please stay together. I'm like, I, I think this is done, guys. Um But yeah, so we're kind of in this world of like this, everything's done, it's settled, and people are kind of moving on, and we don't want the party to end, but I think it already ended, and I think us Snyder fans just kind of need to come to peace with that, and that's kind of where I'm at, but I know a lot of people aren't, and I get it, (laughs) but that's kind of where we're at, right? Did that catch everybody up as much as I can? I didn't really do any breakdown of the movie yet. We should do that as well, but... In the movie. Hold on. Does that explain where we are? Yes. Yes. Yeah, in general, I'm in kind of in the same place, but I've never been in this place before, or at least haven't been in a while, so I'm still dealing with the feelings of oh. it being over, and like, but like, no, but this was actually the best thing I've seen this year. Yeah. I mean, I personally just want, like, all the top heads of Warner Brothers to just be, like, you know, swept out, got rid of, and new people brought in, and they all turn around and say, yeah, but let's bring Zack Snyder back, and let's be nice to him this time. Let's so not be what assholes. What we need, actually, is Zack Snyder to be in charge of Warner Brothers. And they've already like had those conversations. Like Snyder was trying to take over the studio. It's like, no, he wasn't. He just wanted to make a movie, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let you guys are in the business the of studio. making movies, right? <laughs> Wait, is Donald Trump running Warner Brothers? <laughs> I mean, I hope not. <laughs> it yeah, sounds like it's going to be honest. surprising, and I'd have to really have to reevaluate my taste and things. We have the I mean, best. The best Justice Leagues here. Oh, it's so bigly. Oh, uh. I haven't had to hear his voice in so long, and now it's, I don't miss it. I don't miss it at all. Oh. It's like, oh, someone's throwing up in my ears. How is that possible? Um. But yeah, uh, very quick breakdown of the movie itself, and I will do this as quickly as I can, which I, I think I got it down. I've been practicing kind of all week. Um, after the events Ooh. of Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, the world is uh, in dire need of a Superman and they don't really know how to go about it. Um, 
But there is a big force coming to Earth, and Batman knows that it's coming, and Wonder Woman is pretty aware that it's coming. They decide they need to build a team. They already have some legwork done for them when they stole the drive from uh, Lex Luthor back in Batman vs. Superman, so they're aware of Aquaman and the Flash and Cyborg, and they decide to reach out to them, connect. Uh, the Flash is on board right away. Aquaman and Cyborg need a little bit of time thinking about it. They also get on board. But basically, we actually get the Justice League to come together to face a common threat, which is Steppenwolf, who's trying to prepare the planet for Darkseid uh, to come and find the anti-life equation, anti-life equation uh, which would help him control the entire galaxy. And, you know, Darkseid is. And that's great. Um, mm -hmm. But that's basically the whole movie as very quickly summarized as possible. Right? Yes. I know I missed a yeah. shit ton of points, but that is the overall <laughs> arc, right? About three hours worth. Yeah. I just did the Joss Whedon cut. Whoops. <laughs> I know. I, I really don't want to talk about him too much more than we have to this week. Because, you know, fuck that guy. Which is so sad to say, fuck that guy. He used to be cool, man. But apparently, no, he wasn't ever. And he's just a fucking douchebag. Mm. Oh, yes. Uh that's a whole different thing for a whole different time. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of where I want to leave the Joss Whedon stuff, though, unless there's anything else we need to bring up. We already did an entire episode on the Joss Whedon cut. We were way nicer to it than we needed to be just because Henry Cavill kind of carried the movie. Um, and we wanted to be positive for DC Yeah, and at the time, even though I was always like, you know, they made it funnier. For the Marvel fans, and I'm okay with that, even <laughs> though I never really was. Yeah, I do wish I could go back in time after seeing this cut, this Zack Snyder cut, and just be more harsh on the Joss cut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would like to bring up the fact that, like, this movie has had such a change from the Joss Whedon, like, pivoting a little bit. Just, I never expected to have a, a, my opinion on the movie completely change 100% from hate to love. Like, I never expected that to happen. And I, I think that journey has been interesting for everyone involved in this whole process, viewer and production alike. Just, how does that happen? It's, we're, this movie is a very weird experience for us. Well, I, oh. had that, I had that sort of flip with Batman v Superman. It was only an extra half hour that did that for me. This is an entire two extra hours. So, the, See, the, for me, this like it was this movie that made me go back. And even made me uh, later on start pitching this idea of a Zack Snyder thing to Brian, especially with the feedback and the whole outer, like the media campaigns against it. But watching this, realizing, oh, this is what the vision was, recontextualized everything before it completely, 100%. Mm. And I've just never, I haven't had that happen so much this, as it happened here. It's a unique thing in film, honestly. It's very rare for a major director to leave a major blockbuster film uh, and then to get it to come back. It's not like freaking Blade Runner, which all the different versions of that, honestly, are... I mean, I, guess I have not watched all the versions of Blade Runner, I'll fully admit. I can, but, I can hear Matt chomping at the bit, like, I'll talk to Blade Runner <laughs> yeah, about you. But, but what I know, a little bit, I guess, Matt, you can tell me I'm wrong, they're different, but they're not that different. No, like, the, the, I've only seen like uh, three cuts of the Blade of Blade Runner. I know there's like I know there's more out there. I probably own more of them, but just never watched them. Uh, I've seen the original theatrical one. I've seen the director's cut, and I've seen the final cut, and they're all the same film. You know, there's there's nothing drastically missing from from them. You know, the theatrical cut has that god awful um, voiceover. 
Right, but the uh, main character doesn't change. No, the main character doesn't change. The main story doesn't change. Like none, none of it really sort of like changed. It's still the same basic story. You could watch the theatrical cut and have a conversation with someone who has just seen the final cut, for example, and you'd still be able to talk about vastly, vast majority of the same film, and you won't have much of it. Like I don't, what you're talking about, I don't remember that bit in it because like a lot of the story is there. Yeah, unless we can think of something later like so that this is an entirely entirely unique situation in cinema yeah i would say so and honestly i, I think there was such a huge swatch of people that didn't think it was going to work that never thought like oh yeah when the snyder cut comes out snyder doesn't make good movies so who gives a shit it won't be good and this one in particular compared to like a lot of other movies is proof of concept this to like someone like me, who's been a fan from day one, who watched Man of Steel and went, yep, I want to be a part of this universe. I like this. And I was on board for everything f- past that. For people like us, it's like, oh my God, my faith has been like so rewarded here. <laughs> this was everything I wanted. And then for somebody Indication. like... Uh, yeah. And then I have like some, like say people like John, or I have a few people at work who watch this <laughs> and they're like, oh, now I get it. Nope, nope, this makes sense. And then they go back and watch Batman vs. Superman, like the Ultimate Edition. They're like, yep, yep, this tracks. This, I am into this. And it just, it's unfortunate that it took this movie to come out to bring people there. But we're all on the same page now, which is awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, I still think about this scenario that happened and just how, like, I got caught up in the, the hate. And even still, I don't 100 like, I won't say, like, I've completely turned to the Snyder side 100% because there's still things that I have problems with mm. throughout the filmography. You, he's but still, in general, like John's just so scared. Yeah, you know, it's really hard to just admit you're <laughs> yeah. you, you you're a fan. I will not admit I'm a fan of anything. God damn it! Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's a weakness. No, um, but <laughs> to have something so effectively turn my compass, I don't know. And it's weird to come at this as someone who was following the narrative for a while. And I, I feel like I don't know. Maybe can, can I blame the narrative? the media narrative on this because I was wrapped up in a lot of the hype and a lot of the it's hype against this movie in groups. It really is. Yeah. And that's easy to be a part of. And I think here in this situation, never has that been more apparent at how poisonous it has been because watching this and then going back, it's made me relook at the movies in a completely different way, just completely divorced of anything anyone else has said, any other think piece or article or review. And I can see the arguments in some of the more uh, prominent reviews or the, more well thought out ones, and yeah, that makes sense. But here, here's what he was doing. I could, I can, I can argue against them now in a way that I wouldn't have before. I mean, I've seen some of the arguments against this film from people, and just thinking, you just wait, like, no, you're just talking absolute crap. Because, like, in the same breath, though, they're sort of saying how Marvel films are, are more unique or something like that, and you know the. They're not like, and he was like saying that all the cheesy, the dial, the cheesy dialogue that's in the, the Joss Whedon one, you know, like there's so much of it in the Zack Snyder one. I can't speak to that, but I didn't find any of the humor in the 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 actual Snyder cut. It doesn't feel like out of place. It doesn't look feel like a shoehorned in joke. Whereas I imagine the Joss Whedon one, it just feels like shoehorned in jokes and things like that. It's very um, much the the weed and quippiness. Like it, it's not like shoehorned. It's just 
it, it's just imagine if he's writing every character for Robert Downey Jr. to be able to get his very clever quips in. Like they're, it's not that they're bad jokes; it's that they don't fit in this universe. I'll yeah. say the one thing that does feel shoehorned in. If we're gonna talk about shoehorns, the product placement in this movie oh, is yeah. a little like, come on, guys. <laughs> it doesn't bother okay, me. Okay, he uses Gillette. I get it. The only one that bothers me is that I'm rich. Now check out this car commercial. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not even a real car. I'm sure that car's CG. <laughs> I hate the Under Armour symbol on Cyborg's jacket. Every time we go into his little brain computer place and he's wearing his varsity coat, I'm like, get sure. that Under Armour out of here. <laughs> I do, oh, man, I do spot that a... <laughs> every time. It's like right, it's right center uh, on the yeah. back every time. I'm, I'm, like, I do always think, oh, that's Under Armour, that. Exactly, it's working on you. That's the only thing that I don't I don't really notice that in the Marvel movies. Sure. And oh I, my god! And I annoyed at it in this one. I bought some uh, running shorts as well, and they're Under Armour. Oh my god, it's worked. <laughs> <laughs> now, I do I do understand like, and I don't want to veer us too far into the Jaws cut. I understand why they made the decision, and in a different context, those clips would have worked, and we saw them work for be- like more or less in Avengers and Age of Ultron. His thing played well because it all meshed together and seemed to work. But given the two cuts now of Justice League and seeing what uh, Snyder was going for and his humor, his sense of humor in his filmmaking that permeates his style and it's just all part of it, it all speaks together. It's just, it doesn't match, like you said, Brian. And yeah. that's, the, that's the biggest sin that, that those jokes have. Not necessarily that they weren't good. I think in a Joss Verdon version of Justice League... Had he done it from start to finish his own way, you know, more or less would have all at least felt like it gelled together, even if we liked or didn't like it. This is just like his jokes are like they played a tumbleweeds in silence because it's, it's pushing up against the current of this thing Snyder was going for. It's kind yeah, of like it, going from it, watching a Daniel Craig Bond film and then going to a Roger Moore one. Or having them in the same movie spliced. Yeah. It just doesn't work. <laughs> But, like, yeah, suddenly uh, Daniel Craig's dressed as a clown. And you're like, this is totally natural. <laughs> Get out of the costumes. Um, but it, it, it's just kind of unfair to talk about like the the other version. I'm not going to say his name anymore. As like the funny one, when like because Snyder's sense of humor, he doesn't flex it that often. Like we've watched a lot of his movies over the past five weeks, and I, I can't really call any of them quote unquote like knee slappers. But when he has his jokes, he uses the he waits for the right moment for them, and then when they land, they're legitimately funny. Like for me, my my favorite joke throughout the entire movie is the uh, it was in one of the trailers forever ago, um, but it's with the uh, conversation between Batman and Wonder Woman when they're talking about trying to recruit Aquaman. That joke is fucking great. Oh, so you talked to him? What did he say? Uh, he's gonna help us, more or less. More, more, or more or less. More or less. He said no. He said no. Like it's just like, <laughs> But he'll come around. <laughs> but that back and forth, I'm like, this, it, it feels very Snyder. It feels very Batman and very Wonder Woman. And their chemistry worked. The scene worked. And it's legitimately funny. The joke that got me when I, like, actually a laugh out loud moment. Like, and each, like, seen it three times this week. Every time it gets a laugh out loud from me. And it's a proper laugh out loud. It's where... Um, Bruce is, is shaving and he says, if I had a dollar for every possibly, and then you just hear Alfred in the background just go, yeah, it would make you even more insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. 
Like, Alfred is the unsung, like, star of BVS and Justice League. His scene with Wonder Woman when she's trying to make oh, tea and tea. she's not doing it right. I was just about to, yeah, cite that as a, as a favorite scene. And I just, I was so delighted. And I I had I have that response a lot, actually. Anytime, anytime Zach employed humor in this and wove it in in a very organic way, I found myself smiling just in general. Like, there's a lot of dark stuff in this. You know, a lot of uh, higher violence, bigger, darker themes. But when those jokes were hitting, I was just smiling. I think that's... And that's powerful. It's a little disarming at the same time. Because it's not like the quibbiness of he shall not be named. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you. (laughs) uh, Because a lot of times those feel like like punchline moments where you're taken out a little moment. You're like, it's really funny. It has nothing to do with what's going on. All the funniness from Zack Snyder feels organic. Like yeah. it feels like it's coming from that character. It's not coming from a, a writer's room. Like you, yeah, it's it feels Wonder Woman real. literally going like, yeah, I know how to make tea, Alfred. And he's like, yeah, no, you don't. I'm British. I'm better. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it you might feels be real. Thousands of years old. <laughs> It, it has that like sort of more real thing say. of like yeah. how people actually talk, not like you know people don't just make quippy remarks, you know like no no human being talks like that all the time. Like you, sometimes you will have a quippy remark, like you know when someone says something, you have a, a quick comeback, but not in through your entire life. So yeah. like I think like the, the humor in this feel like like you were saying it feels more organic and it feels more real. It feels just like everyday people. And I think that's what really helps with the characterization. It makes them more three-dimensional, believable, realistic-feeling characters. And that they're actually interacting. Well, they're not just yeah. around each other waiting to say something funny. So we're, we're stepping up to the topic that I, I was initially going to start with this, but then we just started having a lovely conversation, so I didn't want to derail it. But now that we're here, I want to talk about how... I don't want to turn this into a Marvel versus DC conversation because that's this movie is so different than Marvel. Comparing them does both Marvel and DC a disservice. That's where I'm at with this now. Apples and oranges as well. They're both good, but they you know, but they're different. Yeah, exactly. But there was Probably apples and onions because onions have layers. Ooh, DC's <laughs> DC's an onion. Oh, look at you! Look at you trying to start a fight. <laughs> hey, hey, is Chewie being snide? <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna be Snyder. All right, uh... <laughs> I'm just saying though that that's a, that's not a good comparison though because nobody really wants to eat an onion raw, an entire Excuse onion. Me. Raw. No, 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 Especially when you're and, wait wait hold Anyhow. on send the onion or send the video both of course um, <laughs> okay. if I just get a half eaten onion in the post that'd just be bizarre <laughs> a very no, no half eaten onion <laughs> hey it's caramelized now what are you talking about <laughs> no context whatsoever a package just arrived I open it up just half eaten onion with no 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 nothing I'd just be like the fuck you would just open and now you just you've just been go, chewy fucking chewy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you had to pay fifty dollars for that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, so, what as well. <laughs> anyhow, so the thing that I want to talk about with this is that Zach was giving what I would consider a nearly impossible task. He was told to make a Justice League film with really nothing in front of it besides a, a 
rather solid Superman movie. Man of Steel might be my least favorite out of all these. Um, not that I think it's a bad movie. I actually think it's pretty great. Uh, I just like BVS and Justice League more. Um, we have Man of Steel, BVS, which is kind of a Batman movie, kind of a Superman movie, and One Woman shows up. And then you have Justice League. And in this one movie, he has to introduce the biggest comic book characters, arguably, in the planet. Like, these people are fucking huge. Like, you might not know a lot of comic book characters out there, but it's arguable you'll know uh, Wonder Woman. You'll know The Flash. You'll know Aquaman. Like, these guys are A-listers, huge comic book characters. Zack Snyder had to introduce them, make them a three-dimensional character, and make them part of the Justice League, and make them fight a universal threat. Very, very difficult task. There's almost no way this movie couldn't feel rushed. Granted, it's four hours long, so they do kind of solve that by just making it way fucking long. <laughs> but the movie flies. Like I don't think when yeah. I the one time I was able to sit down and watch it in one sitting, it felt like maybe two hours. Like maybe like that's when I was checking. I'm like, oh wow, this is near the end. What the fuck? Yeah, so, like, I have had that experience a lot. Like uh, earlier on in the week when um, you mess we were messaging and I like I was like and I said oh, I'm I'm seven minutes in and you're like well you know maybe if you have a break I you know because we're do, gonna do some testing. I completely forgot about that and got to the <laughs> end of it and was like oh shit. Uh, guess we're not gonna test that thing that we're gonna <laughs> test <laughs> because it just like it just flows it flies by and it's like there is <clears throat> I I got to a point where I don't even notice like the you know when the parts things come up like I keep missing them so like I'll be watching and thinking like it comes up saying part three and I'm like hang on a minute where's part two gone I remember part one coming up I don't remember part two <laughs> coming up <laughs> but I think that speaks to he pulled it off. He pulled it off, and he did it yeah. in ways that weaker directors would not be able to handle. He made a four-hour four movie, yeah. and there's no montage in it. No. The closest thing you have to a montage is when Cyborg's listening to his dad on the recorder, and he's having kind of a montage of his abilities in the internets. Where he watches clips from that one woman. That's the closest thing you have to a montage. In I'm this not whole sure movie. if I classify it as a montage, I, but it would be the closest I, thing. I'm yeah. saying that's the closest thing. Yeah. And I love that sequence. Weaker so directors would have put at least two montages mm. into this film. Yeah. Or, or to be fair, like they have to. They're, like these directors, any, anyone else would have to put these in because they'd have no time. I, I feel like we we need to really not undersell how much intervention these movies get. Like when when we have these longer epics that make it through somehow from these production companies, that's a miracle almost. Yeah, and because it's... think of how much shorthand. Like if you watch, if you go through all the things that have just come out recently, uh, movies and how they're all under two hours and they all feel rushed. Mm-hmm. Montages, like, well, like the if directors you use are good. Correctly, will make your film feel rushed. Oh yeah, it yeah. largely montages should be for comedies honestly or sports movies or sports and when you put them into dramas or serious things i'm just like what is happening i got annoyed when we were watching winter soldier and they did two two three montages in one episode i was just like stop uh well and and i would i would take that opportunity to even be almost apologetic to the competition and to also further bridge the gap because 
in this situation, Zack Snyder got his full four hours. So he didn't have to do montages or he could weave them in so organically that you can't even think that they're montages. But like you don't even. The, what, the reason I brought it up is because it's what, what Brian was saying about having to introduce so many things is that even in a four hour movie, a weaker director would have had a montage in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But no, he, he doesn't waste he doesn't waste a minute. Like there, there's not a minute wasted in this movie. So you have, say a, I don't know, say ten minutes. It's probably not ten minutes. But you have an introduction to the Flash where he's just applying for a job being a dog walker, and then he has a big moment where he gets to meet Iris. Uh, he grabs a hot dog out of midair, which I fucking love. Um, <laughs> but you have it's just it doesn't really do anything to tell you a word about Barry Allen. It just shows you who Barry Allen is. That could have been a montage of him saving people as a flash. It could have been any other thing, but instead you get one scene where he saves one person and you know so much about yeah. the character from that <clears throat> one, one instance. I would and say it's... that Zach has been able to become a master at vignettes. Yeah. Cause each time you meet the new characters in this movie, you get a vignette mm-hmm. and, it's beautiful because each one also gets their own little song. Yeah. And it's so fun to listen to those songs because when you listen to the verses, they're very specific to what's happening in the any mm-hmm. moment they're being used. And they're not popular pop songs. No, they are pop songs, but they're not. They're A, different versions of them, and B, not the most popular songs. I mean, I couldn't tell you <clears throat> where I've heard any of those songs outside of this movie i recognize the flash one you did yeah and i think the aquaman one but now now i'm drawing a blank on what they are so what do i know well yeah well yeah the, and, the but he has a master like, the, the icelandic of... one yeah um oh I... the, the icelandic like where the, the people sing at the beach well that that's more for them than it is him yeah i was talking about the aquaman one when he's saving the guy in the boat yeah we, when he's walking yeah. away and it's talking about and the king is everything yeah oh yeah yeah well, see, that, that's another thing about this is that Zach has always been able to manage pop music in his movies in a way that they're not the most recent. They're also not the most well-known, but they are pop songs, but they fit. Like, I know the uh, Owls of Cahool one was a little on the nose, being from the yeah. band Ow- Owl City. <laughs> um, however, so on the nose. Yeah, so on the nose. But, you know, that, that's his only, like, the only time it's ever been that on the nose is that movie. That's a good record. This, every song... Down to the the final song in the what you could almost say is a montage almost that music the choices are perfect they're the right ones yeah. they communicate in the same exact way that just the scene the vignette with the flash the visual is telling the story no words and the music is telling the story and so if you can allow those those they multiple elements to happen if you can let them wash over you and kind of take it in and absorb what each one is together. Like, you have his character, and that's, like we've said, a lesser director who doesn't have the time to work with wouldn't be able to meld those so well that Zach did here. And then you've got the, the music score as well alongside oh it, which is just phenomenal. Like, I'm, I'm a huge, like, music score, like, film, film music fan. Like, 99% of the music I have is film scores, and... Since I got the the uh, <laughs> since since I got uh, this score, I've been listening to it pretty much on repeat. Like in a month, I was telling Brian about this earlier. In a month, I've listened to the whole score twenty times, and it's oh, it's about three and three and a bit hours of music as that, and it's just okay. been on constant repeat. 
I mean, I've listened to it a lot too, but nowhere. I, I haven't listened to a. I don't think I've listened to the whole thing beginning to end once. I've listened to the whole thing like in pieces, but not even once. And I, mean, I love this score. You wouldn't be able to do it because Corn would stop you. And be like, "What are you doing, Daddy?" Yeah, after, Wonder Woman. Yeah, after a while, he just <laughs> Wonder screamed, Woman. Wonder Woman, or well, sorry, it's Woman Woman because he does he can't say Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be Woman Woman or Flash, and he's gonna yell that them is... both at me until one of them plays because he likes those songs. Yeah, he when Corn's loved... a little bit older, you need to have him name all these comic book characters so woman woman <laughs> man man <laughs> fast man I mean, batman <laughs> i i will say this he can do that he'll 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 get them all he'll just wonder woman will be woman woman but <laughs> it'll be woman woman superman batman flash aquaman like he'll get the rest and then he'll be like where is uh where is green lantern where, where the purple guy for his name now the purple guy thanos no the yellow Lantern. Oh yeah, he loves Sinestro. He loves Sinestro. Be like, where's Sinestro? Yeah, he, he likes Sinestro a lot Sinestro. and Kilowog. Yeah, I mean that's He's impressive. A... Sinestro being able to say Sinestro as like a, a three year, almost three year old. Yeah, well, I found like... him a little action figure, so it's yeah, but... it's helpful when you have the action. But figures. still, he can say Sinestro, but woman, woman. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because I mean, the T R O is really hard when you're younger, like especially R's. Yeah, no, he's got that it's down. Like... He does not have his wonder. Uh-uh. Parents, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, speech impairments. No. Maybe he's trolling so, you. Inside he's like going. <laughs> I, can I mean, say that would it, be really. very much his sense of humor. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the the big man. Like, I, I got to talk a little bit about Superman. And in a movie called The Justice League, you'd assume that he'd be somebody that I'd save for the end. But he's not really in this movie. Like, he's yeah. kind of a... He's more of like he has to be here because it's a Justice League movie and because he's a major part of this five-movie trilogy um, that it'd be weird to not have him. But I think they use him as little as they possibly could. I think with Superman, he's not in it physically a lot, but his presence is. You oh, have yeah, this sure. feeling. So it, it's, yeah, I, I, I sort of see what you mean. Like they are using him as little as possible. But his presence is still there throughout the film, and it's it goes to what um, his his dad dad uh, is Russell Crowe's Jor El. God, why couldn't why was I blanking on his name then? Um, was saying in the uh, in Man of Steel, like you know they will they'll follow you, they'll stumble, but then they will you know they will join you in the light. It's the, those characters that they're trying to. They're doing that. The rest of the characters are doing that. They're following him. They're stumbling a little bit, but then they do, you know, join him at the end, kind of. But also, yeah, that... And how cool is it to have someone who's, like, Superman become a metaphor for grief? And to yeah. be, like, just... And in such a way that, uh, honestly, I wasn't ready for it. And I wasn't prepared to, to have that hit me so hard that it did in this movie. Like, his absence... When you ha- when you deal with grief, you you deal with that sort of thing. The the person, anyone who you've lost, is a ghost over you in a way. And to have such an iconic character who I've loved since a child, since I was a child, be able to fulfill that role and like they can do that with Superman. To see that happen, to feel it, to understand, like finally in a comic book, in a comic book movie, to finally understand loss and have that communicated through this movie is extremely powerful and. And it really speaks to just, like, it's a filmmaker who understands loss. Yeah. 
and who's interpreting it through the the coolest superhero character in the entire world, the best one, the in my mind, the best character that exists is Superman in terms of superheroes. Like, he's always been my favorite among some of the other ones, but he's the first one you get. Like, I get the comic, the coloring books, the comic books, the 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 merchandise. That's the one you're. Go- I'm going for first, and to have it be able to speak to me in my late 30s and talk about deep things and let me ponder <laughs> the mortality of humanity is cool and and just doing that so unbelievably well in a movie that is based around him coming back to life is that's an amazing feat to pull off. Like I've taken a lot of shots at WandaVision for this exact same thing where they have the idea of a character being gone, creating this loss and then the character being fine at the end and that undoing it. But this movie, it wasn't about him coming back or not coming back. It's about feeling that loss and accepting that loss because he's gone like the, like this the world needed him and he's not there and then you can interpret that however you want like that that can really hit people differently and I, I think it was it comes down to that thing that we've been praising him for all five weeks of trusting his audience of just like putting the right things in there that the right people will pick up on and if it's not for you then then maybe there'll be a different part of the Superman story that'll pick up on you or pick you up you will pick up on but it, it speaks to the the versatility of Superman. I've been a part of a podcast. I've been I've talked to many people who want Superman to be one thing. They want Superman to be the beacon of hope, truth, and justice in the American way. And if he's anything else, then he's not Superman. And I think that sells the character so short because you have because he's the world's superhero. Exactly. Yeah, like, he's the world's superhero. That whole Amer- like truth, justice in the American way doesn't really play anymore. Like it did when he was originally created. Like you know because there was that that idea of like you know we are we're i can't think of like the way of describing it but like you know we we're well in the fleischer ca- cartoons from back in the day those that played so beautifully like yeah. it's part of a, a time capsule of a of a time when it, yeah he was truth justice in the american way and that kind was of also because he was created right right before the world war i don't know when was he was 30 39 i think right 37 38 30. right when Germany was going to shit, essentially, politically, because it was already not doing well economically. But politically, that's when he was created. So people were already getting the feelings that there's going to be another world war. So yeah, he became a symbol. I think the world war had started. Depending on when it came out, because it was 1939 when. um, I know. I know that the U.S. wasn't in World War One at the or two at that point. We joined a little late, but but either way, like the, 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 I think we, we took got... all the credit, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You but joined again and then took it. the credit. <laughs> yeah, we get it, but he, you just weeded the... it. He he is a <laughs> very true. He is he is a he is the world superhero, and there's more to him than just those few things. And by trimming him down to just those few things, you're doing yourself a disservice. Like you're shutting yourself off from so many stories honestly, that can be told with Superman and best have... through Superman. They were talking about that in BVS. Yeah. About whether yeah, that, or not that he's talking American head Superman montage or the world. Well, even even a shout out to um, the new show, Superman and Lois. They're doing that. They're they're taking a whole different tack of like, <laughs> what does it mean to be parents through Superman? Like, very interesting. But 
a Superman that is only one thing can't be that. He can't be a metaphor for parenthood, uh, challenging parenthood, and dealing with the uh, responsibilities of adulthood and also parenthood and all that, and also then be a metaphor for loss and grief. And then, like, if, if you can only be one thing, you're, you're, yeah, like you said, selling short completely and limiting a very dynamic superhero. Yeah. Because, like, he has not the best superhero moment in this movie. I think almost all of those go to the Flash, but that's, you know, that's my flavor. Um, but he has one of the best moments in the movie when he finally shows up to the fight. Like, you, the movie does a good job of trying to trick you into the, the superheroes are going to lose. They actually kind of get you there. They got me twice because I knew that this <laughs> yeah. wasn't the end of it. And I'm like, holy fuck, I think they're about to lose. And the first time is... They did such a good job juggling when will Superman show up that you kind of forget he's coming. So when he finally does show up and he just lands in front of that axe and just just hits him with the not impressed and then just... Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I'd ever ex- imagine myself being excited for a freeze breath, but here we are and I'm super excited for it. And he's just... <laughs> Smash. Yeah. I'm like, I've holy fuck. I always thought the freeze breath is a ridiculous notion, especially with like the the reasoning behind it was because like they, they were coming up with powers like well you're blowing your coffee and it cools it down so you know your breath's cold so he'll just have extreme <laughs> cold breath that's literally where it came from that's um, hilarious <laughs> and so i've always I... had a like you know, the freezer thing but i cheered at that moment on my own in my bedroom i was watching the film and i cheered to the point where my mum came and was like what are you watching <laughs> and i just loved it because honestly out of Man of Steel and BVS, it's the first time we get to see Superman be cocky. Eight, but it's the first time you really see him choose to act. In, choose to act, and in he's BV- cocky, he's confident, he doesn't look morose about it. In BVS and Man of Steel, he's, by and large, reactionary. He has yeah. to react to these situations. Yes, he is. He is definitely an instigator. Don't get me wrong. He does go search out these problems, but he is still reacting to situations. And this time, he is brought back to life, and they basically just let him leave. And then he's going to go do his thing. And then he comes, he chooses to act. And because he's choosing to be there, we get to see him be cocky and be like, "Um, you're an ant. Please allow me to throw you all around this room for the next ten minutes. You are going to get the shit kicked out of you. By all three of us. It's such a great moment. I mean, I love the moment with Wonder Woman when she does the... um the bracelet thing just after that as well because the the look on Gal Gadot's face every time she does that she just looks so happy it just the, she just got this great smile when like when Superman's like hits um stepping up towards her and she's got the the bracelets and just goes bang and just uh, it's just such a great moment that entire fight scene where it's like the three of them just basically batting Steppenwolf around Everyone like a ball. Everyone likes a good game of catch. I'm oh, yeah. <laughs> Steppenwolf is Steppenwolf just like, I got, I got this. I got this. I got this. And then we- Superman shows up and is like, I don't got this. I don't got this. <laughs> now who's the monkey in the middle? It's Steppenwolf. <laughs> but, like, can, can we just, just for one second, holy crap, was he good at Steppenwolf? Like, I, I don't want to talk about he who must not be named anymore, but in that version, it's just like, okay, so that guy said his lines. Wow, he actually played a whole character. Steppenwolf is intensely, completely different in this one. Oh, yeah. Than in the who may not be named version. 
it, especially just the design. Oh, he looks he, so he much looks freakier. He looks like an actual villain, like something you'd be afraid of, something that has actually conquered universes. And you look at him, and then when he's talking to his superiors, and he's just whimpering. You see him whimper. Yeah. And what I love about this one. So Im- it's amazing to watch something that should instigate constant fear whimper. So if this guy is whimpering, what the hell is on the other side? Hey, what the hell's yeah, on the other side? And, and why am I feeling pity for this guy? Like, I yeah. shouldn't be feeling pity for this guy. Fuck it's this a, guy. Yeah, it's a scale thing that I've always had a complaint with with comics where this next character, this next villain is powerful because of course he is. It's the kind of like, well, we have to put you against something more powerful and then you're more powerful and then like, there's a scale problem in a lot of comic book superhero movies and this time I felt I never that never flagged for me as wrong. I was like, Steppenwolf can like wipe the floor with a lot of these people and is, but of course there's someone more powerful and I believe it just in the way the performance is of Steppenwolf. And I wasn't expecting that. I should <laughs> that should just be my theme for this movie is I was not expecting that. Well, Steppenwolf as well. He's wiping the floor with all these people. He's essentially a henchman though. I was thinking about this like on yeah, viewing he's two this week. Man. Yeah, he is. That, that's literally the uh, the analogy I was doing. He is twenty one. You know, from from Venture Brothers. If anyone's missing the reference there, and uh, you know, he's he's not the main villain. He's not a main villain. He's just a lackey, and he's wiping the floor. With everyone. So, what is this? You know, what is the main villain going to be like if the, if his lackey is wiping the floor with like, you know, he's throwing five or six Amazons. At once, like you know, throw, like whipping the horses round and and just like wiping the floor with all of these people. Like, what is the main villain like? And, and it just it builds one of the up. Moments in that, I just want to say real fast when he's fighting the Amazons, he gets shot by like a ten arrows. Yeah, and, and just, just flexes his muscles and, he flexes and, and it, they all break. Yeah, it's amazing. Can I uh, just <laughs> one more moment on the Amazon? The Amazon scene is so fucking good. I yeah. love the Amazon sequence, but for me, it gives me chills all three times I've watched it when he's like, you should, I don't remember his exact line, something you should be afraid, and then Hippolyta just goes, Amazons, show him your fear. We have no fear. Fucking awesome. I, I think I'm... Because that is such a great moment. <laughs> Finish, Matt. That, yeah, that it, that moment is amazing. Like, um, And you just think about all the, the Amazons who sacrifice themselves by getting sealed in that... Um, tomb thing and i've got to say as well the women with the hammers the amazons with the hammers jesus christ i am jealous of those abs they are <laughs> ripped it's like i looked like thinking and i looked at myself and i went i will never have abs that good <laughs> i'm not sitting around watching this movie after three times yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not even when i'm in my new house and i've got my own home gym will i have abs that defined i like donuts too much <laughs> Well, you can get some uh, toner and just kind of rub it on your yeah, just spray paint in the yeah. on your stomach. Yeah, just spray paint them in. <laughs> it worked in the other well, Zack Snyder movie. Yeah, it worked in three hundred. Well, like yeah, say yeah. cloud, <laughs> or or start stealing tires from cars and then like throw them around your garage. Like there you go. Yeah, do do the bad exercise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I'll this movie a has a workout regimen. This movie has a workout regimen for you. Matt, like this movie you has could everything. A TikTok sensation. You'll be like, uh, from, uh, where can we take this? Um, ah, 
Simon Pegg. You're talking to an old. From Simon Pegg to... Bruce Wayne. Amazon. Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from Simon Pegg to Gal Gadot. <laughs> that's that's going to be your like tag for your workout videos on TikTok, and we're going to see your progress. <laughs> So, uh, sorry, Simon Pegg. I'm thinking of you like early on, not like right now. You have beeped up a bit. Then. Yeah, from, from Peg to Godot. Yeah. Oh, I like it. <laughs> or, uh, let's uh, let's jump a little bit into Arthur Curry. We haven't talked a lot of Aquaman, and uh, and it's a little bit. I really enjoy Jason Momoa. I think he's a really good actor, and he's only gotten better in like every role he's been in. So when you go back to a role from 2017, he's not quite as good at it as he was in his actual Aquaman movie, but he's still doing a good job. I still like him. But there is he's a vastly different character than he is in the actual Aquaman movie, and I, it doesn't really bother me because I read enough comics where I realize, like, oh, different director is going to be a different type of character. But I still really enjoy this version. Like I really like his somewhat grumpy i don't want to be king act like i i like it i think it works i like the i have to help people in the ocean because that's the right thing to do and i might not really enjoy my job that much but i'm gonna keep doing it because that's what i do it will always bother me that he'll take his t-shirt off but he'll keep his jeans on i explained why that happened it doesn't really make sense it's all for one shot there's so many things in this movie that exist for we're going to make a comic book cover out of this. Uh, and there is a shot of Aquaman when he's going into the ocean. It was in all the trailers. I even think it's in the bad version where like the two oceans crash and they hit him right at the same time. Uh-huh. And when you look at it, it looks like he's wearing the costume from the books. Like his boots are untied and they're a little bit uh, fanned out just like his like actual fish boots are when he's wearing his costume. It works. Yeah. It looks the same and it's awesome. It, it's I'm pointless. Sure it's really that stupid out. that he'd wear yeah, that, like, but it looks cool. Get, just take your jeans off. They are not yeah, good I mean, for swimming. Like, no one likes swimming in jeans. Yeah, we oh, it's horrible. Butt. It is. It's a horrible feeling swimming in jeans. <laughs> but it looked cool. It, yeah, it yeah. looks cool. I won't get that. But there's the whole the mom part of me is like, stop that. <laughs> I get it. Take those pants off, boy. I, I get it. But but I mean, my 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 immediate thing was like, my god, that water's gonna be cold. It's Iceland. <laughs> then my thought was like, yes, that water's gonna be cold. <laughs> uh, I don't think he might. You don't. You don't live in England, where in you know it's what's the temperature like now? Something like four degrees Celsius. What is three that degrees America? Celsius? Um, what's that in American, dude? That's like thirty-six. <laughs> thirty-six. Because we may have we may have heat here. Ninety five we had today. That's too. Yeah, hot. we might be on fire here, but our water is at least freezing. <laughs> yeah, so it's your. I'm just doing, doing the maths very quickly. You're about six times as warm as uh, as it is here at the moment. Blech. Ugh, I tell you, hot? people watching uh, Jason Momoa were six times as warm <laughs> while watching hey, him, hey, I tell Matt, you what. You said you wanted to move to the States, right? You can move into our apartment. We'll take your house. Yeah, there we go. Fair deal. <laughs> he laughed. He agreed. That counts. <laughs> that counts as a binding contract in America. Good luck, Matt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 40 days to move out. <laughs> um, but let's talk a little bit more uh, Aquaman uh, before we, we move past it. Because he was a, a rather contentious character in the trailers because he had the My Man moment. He had uh, he, he just oh, came across a little bro-y in the trailers. Uh, in the actual movie, none of it bothers me. In the trailer, like if you don't have context around it or any of the character around it, it doesn't really make sense and looks a little weird. But when you actually see him and like actually see him interact with the other people, 
it doesn't bother me. And you have like those really wonderful moments, like between him and the Flash, when he's looking at um, when he's looking at Cyborg, who whose father just died, and he's like, "Hey, how's Victor doing?" He's like, "I don't know. He's doing fine." I thought you didn't care, and he's like, "I never said that." Like, I like that whole like, "Oh, Aquaman does care. He does want to be a part of this world." He's more of a brat than he is a bro. Yeah, and I I think that comes across really well in the Snyder version, but I really appreciate like the reluctance to emotion that Jason Momoa pulled off in this. Cause I, I think that was something that was, I didn't expect from the Aquaman character watching a justice league film, the reluctance to being a King. I always expect from Aquaman, but the reluctance to let himself feel something was something new here. And I really think Jason Momoa, even though he's still not, I think he's a better actor today than he was then did a great job. Yeah. One of the complaints, even with some that I read about this uh, after the fact was still that there wasn't much of him and he didn't do much emoting. And to that, I could only just say what you just said, that, like, you know, you don't, he doesn't have to have a huge amount of screen time. He's, he's making choices in this movie. And he's a hard nut to crack as a character. And that's the point of him yeah. in this. And, and you watch a lot of people try to crack that nut. Um, from uh, Mira, right? And then um, Willem Dafoe, or, you know, Fish Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Um, them trying to get to him. And and having those scenes, having all this together in the context of a bunch of <laughs> broken gods trying to come together, it works because it works in context. Like, the he doesn't have to do a whole lot. He doesn't have to have huge moments because his moments that he has are significant and they still communicate what he's about. And you still get his arc and what to expect for Aquaman movie from this. Yeah. Even if it's not exactly lining up. By the end of the movie, by the end of Justice League, you're like, this guy has a story he needs to go deal with. Like, he has he has an arc that he still needs to take. And, and we, needs and this, a new dye job. Yeah, she needs to get her hair right. like fire engine red. <laughs> like, you don't need to characterize him that much out of this. Even even though he's not, even though he's a like lesser of the care of the of all the bunch, you the you know Snyder got the mileage out of him that no one else could. Yeah, yeah, just like uh, the Flash. Like the Flash, I think he could have been in the movie more or less. I think you really could go either way. But I think it's just kind of like the same thing with Aquaman. I think he was in it the right amount. And the Flash has a little bit more to do in this one because we get to see his dad. We get to see like a little bit more of like what his life is uh, shaping up to be. But, like, the Flash gets something that Aquaman doesn't in this. And, and that's probably why he's my favorite character in the movie. Because the Flash gets legit comic book moments. Like, full-blown, I could, I feel like I just read this in a book yesterday, comic book moments. <laughs> and, like, you have the huge one at the end of the movie. But then you also have, like, a little one when they do, like, the first attack at the silo. And all of the... Uh, all of the the rubble is about to fall down and all the people that he just uh, got out of that thing. And you just get this, oh, shit! And he just, like, a cloud of the Flash appears above all the people who have all the rubble about to start on him. And you just get, like, little flashes of him just, like, like, either him, like, mid-running or dodging or grabbing something. But it's, like, little lightning flashes. And then it's over. And it's like, holy shit, that was awesome. And then he misses one. <laughs> Cyborg gets it. It's a very comic book thing. Yeah. Like, it just felt straight out of a comic book. It's like, oh, wow, that, that was so cool. And it That's also did, like, it showed super speed at, like, us, our normal speed as well. Like, a lot of these things, like, it does it in this one where it goes into slow motion as well so you can see what's going on. But they also did show the super speed at the at the sort of, like, the speed that he moves. So you have that context 
context of when it's in slow motion, this is how fast he's moving. Yeah. It it, it worked really well. It's super effective. We need to talk about the cyborg of it all. Yeah. I, I was kind of saving cyborg for last because right. he is definitely the heart of the movie. Um, he's the heart of the movie. He has some of the most, I mean, a lot of these characters have identity crises. Cyborg has one of the harshest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause he, he considers himself a monster. Yeah, you he know. didn't really get to choose what happened to him. I mean, none of them really got to choose, but at least the majority of them, except for the Flash, were born the way they are. Yeah. And they can uh, all take off their costumes and that's it. Yeah. Cyborg and can't do that. Cyborg doesn't have that luxury. He even says that. I'm always dressed. Yeah. Yeah. Let's suit up. I'm always suited up. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's just who he is. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, and god damn, what a talent Ray Fisher is. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. oh, yes. Because oh. <laughs> you, you get the full arc. You start with the thing of him calling himself a monster mm-hmm. at the, when you first meet him. And then at the end, he tells off the mother boxes going, I'm not broken. That scene has gotten me to tear up every time. Like, I'm not sobbing or anything, but I, I get misty every time when he's, I'm not broken. And I'm not and I'm alone. Not alone. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my emotions. <laughs> it's such a great it's moment. Like, oh, my God. Character <laughs> development. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of weird because the first time I watched this, weirdly enough, I got angry at how good he was and how much we were cheated out of <laughs> from his performance. No, like genuinely, like because everything was so good. Even that moment, that moment was so powerful. And it just the way that he seems this like seals the show together the way this movie together the way he brings it all in and just like i mean like the at like the the hype says he's the heart of it but to say that's easy i almost think it's almost underselling it that it's just everything he does in this movie is so powerful his performances the story the way it's handled like you even get the sense that ray fisher even had say and he worked with snyder on this well he, he did he, he helped yeah. write the character this is a ray fisher character yeah and it's just so it's such a to me such a great take on the character and i don't know a hundred percent about cyborg comparative to other ones i mean i enjoy the teen titans the jokey kind of the booyah cyborg because that's the cartoon version but i don't have a whole lot like and then the doom patrol version i have that so i don't have a whole lot but to have this in such a way was such a exciting, uh, potent, powerful thing to watch. I just, I, I'm in awe still. I, and, and even still angry at how like this wasn't just the default version of anything justice league at all. No. Like, when you get to that scene with him and wonder woman and he's like, you think these are gifts? Like from that moment on, I am so sucked into his character. And like, I'm already pretty much sold at that point. But like when you finally see him interact with another person, in the justice league, it's like, Oh, this guy is the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's clearly and it's fun to his want him to come to his gifts. Like he yeah. ha- like I said, he has the little montage-ish thing of him learning how to be cyborg with his dad's monologue over it. It's more so learning the lack of limitations of his power. Yeah. Uh, but then I think one of the moments where he's starting to really become attuned to who he is and realize that they are gifts is honestly when he meets uh, Batman's ship. 
Yeah. And he just immediately <laughs> looks up at it and goes, she wants to fly. It, it's her nature. It's her nature. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a cute, like both that and when he, you know, fixes it and they are like, oh, look, he, she flies now. And it's like, that's what she was meant for. And like, it's like he's learning that he can have a relationship with technology and no one else can have that the way he does. Oh, yeah. But that scene does double duty because it does. He can have a relationship with technology and people. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's a one-line, blink-and-you-miss-it moment, but it's like, it's her nature to fly. And Batman goes, it's yours, too. And that moment, when he looks, it's like, you know me. It's like, he has yeah. that moment of, like, I'm accepted here. Like, you see it all in his face, and it's just a half second of a thing, and it's one of the most powerful beats in the movie. Yeah. Ray yeah. Fisher's fucking great. <laughs> he is. I do love that bit as well, when when uh, he fixes it, and Bruce, Bruce Wayne says, something like, yo, you fixed it. It's like she wanted to fly, and it's almost like no, I didn't fix it. You know, the ship just wanted to fly, and I just helped it to fly. I didn't fix it. As yeah, it didn't so, need fixing. It just needed a push. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of foreshadows the whole "I'm not broken" thing. I'm yeah. misunderstood. Mm. Like it's, yeah. Even though that ship really should have not been flyable by the end, like it totally yeah. crashed into Batman a... crashed the yeah, fuck out of that really ship. <laughs> like, and the fact that it comes back at the end, I'm like, what's that? What are you it doing? It still wants <laughs> to fly. <laughs> well, I, I, I was, I thought that too, but then I just thought of like because you see in the epilogue that he can just he puts together the he puts back together the the, the tape recorder. I guess that's true. We did joke hey. about that how he did that off screen this last time we watched. Yeah, it. but it's still funny. Yeah. To be I, like, yeah, what are you doing? It is like, it's like the ship's coming back going, hey, I'm, I still want to fly. Come on, come on. Just fix me before you get to the end credits. Yeah. <laughs> you all need to go to the top of this uh, place before Batman dissolves from radiation poisoning. Yeah, Batman is fucking dead at the end of this movie. But we well, not because they, they actually mentioned that the, the mother boxes that they've done, it's all sucked out the radiation it's all absorbed oh, they, it all. they fixed it with a line of dialogue oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah see i missed it it's <laughs> it's the on. it's the ju- it's the justice league ver- version of the luckily the uh docks are abandoned at night yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love it's funny Zach how Snyder, we don't mind he, that he does so much. sneak those shitty things in there <laughs> yeah, cause I, I assumed that the mother boxes somehow absorbed all the toxicity because otherwise, Batman's fucked. Yeah, he just shows up with three arms. Batman, um, nope. yeah, I know. Uh, everyone else has some weird like ability to heal themselves. You don't. Batman, I'm Man-Bat now. Well, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, at, least, at least it wasn't, pass me the uh, bat repel- <laughs> the bat radiation repellent. Yeah, he just shows up on bat spray. Pulls out a can of hairspray. I'm good. That would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah meanwhile like Alfred king shark is off to the side me. like oh yeah that guy got radiation <laughs> oh, uh man. no it, it's i suppose we haven't really talked about batman and i think his turn his arc is partially what brought me back to bvs honestly the the batman that's like reality is what i make it to be because i have to punch it <laughs> to be so Versus, you got to have faith, Alfred. Like, that might be up there among the favorite scenes. Just a Batman who says, yeah, you got to have faith. That's not the last Batman we saw in the previous movie. That's not where he was. He even says it, like, like for once I'm operating strictly on faith. And it's that for once. You know, he's never done that before. But now he's just so bought into it. He He has this faith. 
and it's such a it's so strong to him and it's rewarded like his yeah. faith isn't yeah. misguided like like this is I, I remember reading a one of those you know chris tarot did a shit ton of interviews after this thing came out and he's uh, still a little salty and i can understand it but he did one of, he did one analogy where he's like we were kind of thinking about these movies as building something up ripping everything down building everything up ripping everything down so man of steel was building up batman and superman was ripping everything down and this one's supposed to be building it up and you kind of feel that like it, it kind of works like batman was at his lowest point i would say at in bvs like he's as low as he can get so he's ready just to fucking murder anyone uh he doesn't give a shit about anything he just you know bad guys are bad they go in the jail and i go home to my you know lake whatever you want to call that house his faceless um, woman that he wakes up next to yeah they purposely do not show we didn't talk about that no we didn't um but now we have batman who's like i was wrong like i failed i clearly failed he even says so like i failed him in life i won't fail him in death i think that's the end of bvs like he knows he was on the wrong side of things and he needs to rearrange how he thinks about this and his journey through this movie, like his journey essentially ends in that scene that you're referencing, John, where he says, faith, Alfred, faith. And it's like, oh, he is in such a better headspace than he has been in probably about 20 years. What I like about that as well is, like like you said, yeah, his, his story does kind of end there because in the final battle, he's just sort of, you know, he's taking the parademons out. He's, you know, they're off doing the actual plan. And he yeah. is just, you know, basically backup. He's not, not like even the main part he, of the plan. He's basically, he's allowing himself to be a red shirt is essentially what he's doing. Yeah. He's just like, no, you guys save the day. You're fucking superheroes. I'm a rich guy with toys. And yeah. just a brief aside, this is the only Batman we've ever seen on screen that legitimately uses his utility belt like a utility belt. He is constantly throwing out random gadgets like it's no one's business. It's so cool to see that on screen. <laughs> I, guess, I, yes. I freaking love watching him use his batarangs and things. Yeah, he's... Like, you never really... I can't think of any other moment in any other Batman movies where you see him shoot somebody with a thing, grab it, and twirl them around. Yeah, like, it just... It feels like a like comic book Batman. It's so fucking cool to see. But back to what we're saying, like, it, it's so cool seeing him, like, no, I've... I've had my journey. I've made my arc. I got the team together. The superheroes are here. I'm going to go yeah. make sure they can get the job done. Yeah. It's like a, like in a Mass Effect game where it's like, okay, you've done all the side quests for him, so now he's at 100% affinity. He's just going to cover for you while you do the rest of the yeah. plot. And yeah. he's good. He is good. And honestly, it's the best translation of that moment. Like, he's set. Now he's just going to do the Batman thing, and it's going to be awesome. Now we can. Now he's he did it. Yeah. He, so you're saying he's he made Gavis. it. <laughs> yeah but like he's made it it's it's interesting to see a character who gets the relief that they need in their arc even if it's short-lived i feel like we don't appreciate that enough because we don't have enough time to yeah that like hey he's dealt with a ton of shit in bvs and to have the faith alfred faith and then he can just coast the rest of the movie that like ah the faith is going to be rewarded all the chips i stacked up hey it worked and, and there is sitting hope back at the place going i have faith you put me in your will. <laughs> <laughs> he's also That's like, what Alfred's thinking. And then he's thinking, oh, fuck, you're Superman. Um, Master Kent? <laughs> I do like that. I do like that moment where, he, where he's just like, Master Kent. <laughs> Not even going to toy with the, you having any superiority here. Yeah, um, so you're and, Superman. And, and I will say... <laughs> 
I will say it is interesting. The, the, the line that teared me up, uh, Brian, and you guys, uh, when he says, I'm, I'm here to fix a mistake, when he bought the bank at the very end, yeah. um, I wasn't expecting to nearly just burst like a dam at that moment. Because, like, I don't know, some of the the line in BVS ne- didn't necessarily work for me 100%. The I'm gonna I'm making up for past mistakes. Like, I, I failed him in life. Like, I was like, okay, fine. But this particular line for me just cut deeper. And yeah. it's and also it just, the most Bruce so Wayne sweet. line ever. It's it's also it, the, like, how did you get the house back from the bank? Bought the bank. You know, and it's so sweet. It is, it's such a sweet effing line for someone who has been so dark. And it's just yeah. like, oh my god. And I've I seen like a lot of people complain about that moment. Like, why would he buy the bank? Why wouldn't he just buy the house back for Superman? And you know what? I I can do this. Let, allow me to take you to school for one moment. If Bruce <laughs> Wayne buys Clark Kent a house. Okay, so that billionaire is Batman, and that guy who uh, has a death certificate and just came back to life at the same time Superman. So that's Superman, that's Batman. All right, we got it. If you if Bruce Wayne buys another bank, it doesn't even make a headline. Yeah. No. There right. it is. And what I love as well, it's, it's, it's such a Bruce Wayne thing to buy the whole bank anyway. Like, you know, there's always them jokes about, um, you know, the, the, the Netflix one where um, – it's like the, the online memes are like, you know, Superman wanted Netflix. So Bruce Wayne went out and bought the whole company. And he's like, no, I just wanted an account. What, what do you mean you bought Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I have not seen that. But it, it, it's an interesting callback, too, to even the uh, Nolan Dark Knight, uh, where he's like, oh, this restaurant? Yeah, no, I bought it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like to have that kind of carry through from a different movie franchise to this one. And to have it done in such a, a much more characterizing way that's actually story-driven and weirdly sweet, too. Just, I don't know. Like, I loved it. It's a, it's a great moment. We got to talk Wonder Woman at least a little bit. Like We've just been kind of ma- mentioning her in passing, but we actually spent time in everybody else. If we skip Wonder Woman, then that's just fucking rude. Um, Wonder Woman in this movie... It really does just kind of feel like a continuation of the Wonder Woman in BVS. And I know the actual film came out in between the two things. It's still obviously the same character. It's still obviously still Gal Gadot bringing her wonderfulness to Wonder Woman. But this does feel more like just a continuation of the BVS version of her. Like, there's just slight differences. She still has the, the love over anger, you know, like always wanting to help people. Like, she's still in the right place at the right time. But the, the Patty Jenkins version of her isn't nearly as aggressive as the Zack Snyder version of her. And I really like the aggressive one because I like that this is a very feminine character who is just kicking ass and taking names. And until Superman shows up in the last five minutes of the very last battle, she is the muscle. Yeah. Like, undeniably, like, she is the one who's leading the charge. If you need something killed, she is the thing going to kill it. The thing that's going to kill it, she takes out the entire terrorist organization uh, in the in her first vignette on her own, no problem. Guy's firing an automatic weapon ten feet in front of people. She blocks every single bullet, smashes her wrists together, and throws them out the fucking side of a wall. Like she is awesome, like a sight to behold in every sequence she's in. It, it, she also dodges a bullet without even focusing on the shooting. She's focused on the bomb, and a bullet comes towards, and she just sort of like. Goes out the way without even looking at it. Yeah, just kind of leans it, out of the way. Yeah. Like, they do such a good job showcasing, like, Wonder Woman is a fucking powerhouse. And then, yeah. on top of all that, so you get this, 
in a lot of action movies, when you have the character who is the muscle, you don't give them sweet moments as well. Like that, that's not mm. something that's really done. And this movie did it so, so unbelievably well in the scene that has the whole terrorist stuff and the wall gets blown out and then she's done and everyone's dead. And this is when every other action movie and every other comic book movie would end. And this one, we actually get to stay with these people for a minute. We get to see the aftermath and Wonder Woman just walking around going, are you okay? Are you okay? Oh, what's up, sweetheart? Mm. And just the girl's like, I want to be like you. And she's like, you can be anything you want to be. It's just, just, just a nice moment. And it's, I appreciate it so much because we don't get those in movies anymore. It would have been great if we got to see the girl skipping away going, I'm going to be a man smasher, mommy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be a murderer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing I was thinking. It's like... She's just watched to like murder a lot of people, and, and then the murder is gone. You can be whatever you want to be. It's like you know, cut to twenty years later, and she's like some sort of assassin or something. Yes. Right, 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 yeah, yeah. I Wonder Woman is my inspiration. <laughs> woman, woman is my inspiration. Um, I am woman, woman. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but to that, to that, to that end, uh, Brian, just the fact that they stay on the scene a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. I don't know people like to dog on things that like this scene should have ended and previous versions did just end, but to have a breathing moment where the hero uh, has a heroic attitude and to prove that like heroism isn't exactly just, isn't always ending man uh, against wall with awesome powers. It's also like encouragement, helping, helping in the, the aftermath. It was a good moment. And especially since it's contrasted against uh, the last time we saw something like this, it was Superman fleeing from a bomb in the Capitol. And it's like, it's a very interesting juxtaposition to have that and this so close together. That's, and, that <laughs> scene, that whole scene in London as well, is the most realistic scene I've ever seen in a comic book, in any sort of comic book film ever, purely because of the sky. <laughs> that sky, you do not see a single shade of blue. That is realism. <laughs> that is England. <laughs> it's dark grey clouds. Uh, That's England. <laughs> I really want to be in England right now. It does sound nice, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds so nice. Like like a nice warm blanket in the sky. It's not warm. <laughs> it's definitely not warm. A nice comforting blanket in the sky. I will sheer, shield you from the radiation of the sun. I don't think that's how it works. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I'm thinking of it right now, as I'm using a comic book currently, a Superman comic book, to fan my face. It's a really good (laughs) Superman comic book. Um, So, yeah. It it, it should also be said, too, like, just she has, like you said, the best moments, but she also continues to go toe-to-toe with Batman. And I think a fun scene that we should mention, just because it's so fun, is her disarming of all his uh, security to get to him <laughs> in a few seconds. And even even, even though it's a, even though it's a throwaway line in other movies, that would be almost sinful in terms of how bad it would sound. You buy it, yeah, and you're like, yeah, it's like, oh, Batman, you silly goose, you like, <laughs> you can't stop Wonder Woman. She is super old, but also super tech savvy. Like, dude, you got nothing. I That's think any I, other film I, as well. I enjoy they... that sequence because it's Batman fully disarmed like even more so than when he's with uh alfred alfred because when he's with alfred he still has you know a little bit of machismo a little bit of expectation with wonder woman he's so he's not blasé but he's comfortable like he he's definitely a man who's comfortable around a woman 
that he can trust and he respects and he knows she could kick his ass whenever she felt like it. Oh, yes. <laughs> and does Batman is he's not like Brock Samson, who suddenly is lusting after her endlessly. Uh He's just. Well, she's not Molotov cocktails. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. more so referring to a pot. Uh, what's her? Name? Oh, girl I know that's who you mean. Wonder Woman with the chariot and stuff. Oriana. Oh. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oriana. Oriana. Uh, but it's just so fun to see Batman be completely relaxed around someone he has utter respect and admiration for. Because you don't really see that with him in any with any other character. No, like really, no other character what? besides Superman. Do you well, see that? With, with Superman, he has a guilt at the same time as adoration. I don't see that at the end of the movie, but no. before that, yeah. Before that, yeah. But yeah, like that. Well, and how do you see that? Like, yeah, how, how do you? I mean, you haven't really seen this in other movies. Like, this is this is kind of unique to this movie. Uh, a camaraderie, a peer, like they see each other as. Uh, he's comfortable around her. He's comfortable that she's more powerful than he is. Like yeah. you said, it's just that's treated as normal and a okay. And like, yeah. and it's almost it's a, rare. Like it's a joke to Batman. Like how talented and capable she is. Like, do you have any idea of millions of dollars I spent on the security system? Yeah, it looked expensive. Like, yeah. <laughs> what, what I like about that as well is. Any other sort of like film, they would have had them like that. Would have been confrontational. That have like he'd have turned around and yeah, been like, you know, face to face. A little bit or something. Yeah, but this I'm is just important. he's just still working around, and he's just it's just like a he's just like oh, do you know how much money I spent on that system while still focusing on what he's actually doing? Um, and it's just like a throw. It's just like, it's like a throwaway comment. And then uh, Wonder Woman's response of like, um, I can't remember exactly what she said, but it says, oh, it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, I think it was. It looked expensive. Like it's just like, yeah. oh yeah, I yeah. clocked it when I walked in. Like, oh yeah, there's that security system. Allow me to walk right by it. <laughs> but I do, I do such... love that that scene when Diana's looking at the the ship as well. And at the end, you know, she like she said like, you know, I I, I once knew a man who would have loved to fly it. And there's this look in Gal Gadot's uh, eyes. It's very sort of like brief, where she's just you can see she's reminiscing about Steve Trevor. And then she's back in again, and it's very sort of like brief. And the, the line helps it, but there is that this look in her eyes as well, which is it's a really nice sort of subtle touch. Of like it's still reminding, yeah, she still is dealing with with that that grief. Well, let's not talk about that. Then we're gonna have to start talking about the other thing that shall not be named. Oof. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> but, I, but if I you treat this like a continuation so. of BVS, then it, it makes sense. Like if, if you just kind of cut out the, the middle stuff it's like yeah she has lost someone and you, you don't you don't have to go much further than that like you don't even have to explore the other other unnameables mm. because you get it her acting yeah. is so good that you understand that she's led by loss she it's a part of her she wears it that's her that's her costume <laughs> like all these characters their costume in one way shape or form is loss and and like the whole broken gods thing like she can encapsulate that so well. She can seem so like otherworldly, and yet have such human emotion. Like it, it's easily my favorite. Like I, I, I gotta stop saying that because I'm saying everyone is my favorite in this goddamn movie. But at a certain point, they're all just up there, number one. Yeah, even her, like especially her. They all have their moments where they're they're the best, and that's really what like going all the way back at when we started this episode. What I was talking about, Zach nailed it. 
he pulled off exactly what Warner Brothers wanted him to pull off. Make it feel like everyone's the star of the show. He yeah. did it. Um, and, and, like, and everyone did such a good job with it. I'm still kind of surprised by it. Uh, there is something that I feel that we do have to talk about before we wrap up. And I know I said I was going to try to wrap up when we got to the, uh, the timestamp we're currently at. But we didn't get here organically, <laughs> so we got to spend at least a few minutes on it. As much as I, I love this movie, uh, I will acknowledge that there are a lot of people out there who don't. They really don't like it. And there's one thing that makes a lot of people just hate it. And I disagree with them. I think it works phenomenally. It's actually one of my favorite things in the movie. The nightmare sequence at the end. The whole movie's <laughs> over. It's done. And then Zack Snyder went out and shot a whole bunch of new footage because he's Zack Snyder and that's what he's going to do. And almost all of that footage is in the very, very end of the movie where you see... I'm guessing this is supposed to be in Justice League 2 or 3. I'm not sure how far down the road it was supposed to be. But Darkseid has won. Darkseid has used the anti-life equation. Uh, Superman has succumbed to it after Lois Lane has died. We're presuming that that is Batman's fault based on what Zack Snyder said about what those movies are supposed to be in the few clues we get. But we get this crazy sequence between the Joker, Batman, Deathstroke, Mera, Cyborg. Uh, the Flash is there. I really like this scene. It, it's so comic good. booky. It's so yeah, bananas. What, I think it works great. It's one of those. I was yeah. nervous about this scene. I'm like, have anyone who hates it? I'm like, have you never? Like, this has been done in other movies, and yeah. definitely in lots of other comic books where you do a flash forward, you have no context for. It's giving you a flavor of things to come. Yeah. And it's not. I mean, yeah, it's not a left field, but. It's cinematic. But it's cinematic as hell. <laughs> it's made the only film, thing but it's also not at a left me. field. Yeah. It's not at a left field. Uh, just in terms of if you understand what has gone on so far with Bruce and his his arc is not he's not free from his uh, struggle. Even though his arc was done, he still has the worry, the paranoia, the concern, like all that loss he's dealt with. It, it hasn't like completely magically gone away. You're still going to be paranoid, and you're still going to even if the vision doesn't come true just by nature of having that vision that being Batman's psyche at the time, even if it never comes to pass, it will come to pass because he thought it. Yeah. He's, it it's his, he is, we're watching his tearing down the beginning of his tearing down again. And to me, that was exciting to watch. I, w- I was nervous about the scene from the trailer because the little, we live in a society meme that showed up in the trailer. But here it was just like, this is effective and scary, but it's so characterizing for Bruce in such a heavy way that I was just like, oh, I want the next one, goddamn now. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say that's the only thing that actually annoys me about that scene is the fact that, you know, given the state of everything at the moment, currently, we are not gonna see any more of that. I want more of more of that night. I mean, even to the point where I was saying to you, Brian, like, you know, is this based on a on a comic series that I can go and read more of of that world? Because that world to me is just fascinating. Hopefully, he'll get. Maybe we'll get a comic book version. I mean, supposedly Jim Lee passed on the comic book version, which hopefully that's just a rumor, and maybe it will still happen. But if not, I mean, I I can share the list out publicly if uh, people want me to. That I gave Matt that will give you a comparable story to Zack Snyder's Justice League. It will take a long time to read. It is like ten years of comics. I don't know. I think uh, <laughs> I think a certain someone who shall not be named, if they can finish more than one show in comic book form 
I would say he got to do a, three different of one of his shows. One still going on in comic book form. Zach should be able to do it too. I agree. Mm. And and I, I, oh my God, would I show up for it? I would buy yeah. every issue as they came out. I'd buy them as a hardcover trade when the hardcover <laughs> trade came out. And I'd buy it as a paperback trade when that came out so I could lend it to people to tell them to read it. <laughs> I would be all over this comic. But but it was, it was weird to be so pumped and so hyped at the very end of this. And what's even, even weirder it, is I enjoyed Jared Leto's Joker. Yeah. Uh, this, this would be the first time I did. And I was very surprised. I gasped. I was like, this is good. And I was like, oh, shit. I mean, he feels a lot Wait, like the Joker on. again. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it just sort of speaks to, like, I remember when we did Suicide Squad, we were talking about how much of the Joker was cut out and how much of it was, you know, just, like, badly edited and, and stuff like that. And it makes you wonder, like, you know, was that version of Joker that he did in the original version of Suicide Squad, but it was just cut around that much that it just comes out as this weird mess of a character. Because he's in this movie for all of three minutes, and it feels more like the Joker than it did throughout the entirety of Suicide Squad. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not the normal Joker. This isn't any other version of the film Joker that we've seen before. Like, he is he's scary. He, like He's a legitimate psychopath, which like we've mm-hmm. seen versions of. Like, Heath Ledger did an incredible job. Joaquin Phoenix did an incredible job. Jack Nicholson was there, too. Um, but they all did their own versions, which were fun <laughs> or quirky or weird or Jack Nicholson. And then we get this one, and it's like, oh, that is a fucking dangerous person to be around. Like, I still feel, I felt that in Suicide Squad too, but nowhere near to this extent. It's a different type of danger. This is the type well, of I danger never... where, like, I feel like he might just stab you because he's bored. Yeah. <laughs> it also feels like the, the Batman and Joker in this three-minute scene are matched correctly. Yeah. Whereas, like, uh, with the, the Suicide Squad one, due to the editing or whatever... If you were to place the Ben Affleck Batman against that Joker, it didn't wouldn't feel like it matched. No. Just because of the way everything was set up. Here, it was like, ah, oh, that synergy between them, that matches. Because that's, like, I'm not generally a fan of Joker in general when you have a ton of other rogues gallery that are just so much more fun for me. But I also understand, like, you know, in the Arkham series, that Joker has to pair with that Batman in a certain way or else it doesn't work. And like in in the uh, Harley Quinn show, the cartoon that I've just been watching over and over again, like that Batman has to pair with that Joker and he does perfectly. And there's a synergy that they need in all of them. And this one worked. This one did it in three minutes. Yeah. For the the guy who's the king of slow motion and just, oh, the pacing is so weird. I just don't like. He did it in three minutes. What uh, movies can't do. I didn't do. Like, Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I do love that he he shouted out on socials like a big thank you to Jared Leto for in the times of COVID letting him get so unbelievably close with the camera. And when you like watch, if you look at the behind the scenes photos, he has this gargantuan co- camera just like in Jared Leto's face, like as close as humanly possible. <laughs> I also like the way it shocks it, 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 the way it shot unnerves you because the Joker's out of focus and it's yeah. the focus is on the card which is moving around so much that so there's like there's there's no focus really because and so that makes you un, like nervous like you know it, it unnerves you it, it makes you feel uncomfortable which is what you want to feel around the joker you know if you feel comfortable around the joker there's something wrong <laughs> i totally agree it's it's such an effective scene even being that short um 
I think that I think that's about all I can really say is is if I don't want to uh, hate life editing, uh, I think we got to start wrapping this thing up, which is unfortunate because I have so much more I can talk about. Yeah. I mean, there's um, one very quick thing that I do want to bring up. It's like I I had a, I made a little bit of a, when I was doing notes. I did a list of talking points as well. And like one of the ones that we've not touched on was just the fact that in that final battle, every single member of uh, the Justice League pays plays a part in the victory plays a part yeah. in the victory even um and you know you take any one of those characters out and their plan fails i can't think of a single other team based comic book movie where that's true like even in the first avengers film where there's not a lot of them you could easily lift hawkeye out and nothing changes <laughs> really poor hawkeye poor but hawkeye. you're totally right <laughs> i mean it's like you know if superman's not there Cyborg gets killed. Um, if Flash is not there, Cyborg can't get, they all get killed. Thing. Yeah, world they all die. <laughs> if Cyborg's not there, the world ends. Like if Batman's not there, the Parademons can like come in and overwhelm them as well. They would have if, killed Barry. Yeah, if Aquaman wasn't there and Wonder Woman wasn't there, like you know, Cyborg can't have the time to to get into the system as well because they are ba- they're there holding off Steppenwolf and. You know, for as badass as they are, neither one of them can do it on their own. They need that sort of that team, yeah. that sort of tag team element of it. And they feel like a legit team. Like you have that yeah. one moment during the um, the what is it? The Nightcrawler is that what they call it? That that action sequence, the first time they fight Steppenwolf, where yes. Barry's like, "Guys, this isn't teamwork. We're doing really bad." And then like <laughs> that's all they really say. And then by the end of the movie, he's like, "Oh, Barry was right. We need to do teamwork." Yeah, and it's like, yep, this works. Well, I like yeah, that scene call, because it, it feels like they are that the the, the Nightcrawl one's really good as well because it feels like they're still trying to get used to each other's strengths and the yeah. dynamic between the teams. Like it's like that thing of like you know when you first start working with people, you've got to get used to the way they work, and you're not you're not going to go straight out of the gate like perfect perfect teamwork. Um, yeah, it shows that like oh shit no I, I make mistakes here and, and things like that. You know the the thing with the Flash where he just like he nudges the the sword close to Diana in that sequence, and then he trips. Because but he's, he's so proud of himself for nudging it close to Diana. He's like, oh, I yeah. pulled that one off. Look at me go. Oops. <laughs> yeah, I did a help. <laughs> um, all oh. right. We, we need to get moving towards the end of this we thing. We need some synergy with some air conditioning. Uh, <laughs> Got to cut that part out now. I can't have us complaining about the heat the whole episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got to start moving towards the end of this thing, and that, of course, will bring us to favorite moments and/or quotes. I will take one of each if you have two. Um, I have my favorite quote with a character we don't really didn't talk about at all. Ooh, you're looking at the hottest thing on earth. <laughs> exact words I said to my prom date. She dumped me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who played Ryan Choi was so good. It's so shame we don't get to see him play the Adam. Yeah, he was. He would have been really cool. He was really good. I, I have one for both because. Like I said, this might be one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm still deciding. I- I'm pretty sure I've decided. But uh, my favorite scene <laughs> of all time will be the best comic book movie moment ever. And I, I th- if there's one that will be better, I will be surprised. Uh, but I don't think there will be. And that's the speed of force is what I call it. It is the moment that the world ends and the Flash has to unend it. And it is so comic booky. Ezra Miller nails every line he has to say during it. The music swell is incredible. It's so unbelievably good. The special effects are good. I tear up every time I watch it. 
I've watched it so many times. Like I watched that scene just randomly because it's just so good. As someone who's been a DC Comics fan for the majority of my life, and you know that in every crisis a Flash dies. This isn't a crisis, and so luckily no Flash died. But whenever you have those moments, the Flash is the linchpin. You don't beat the big bad without the Flash. That's the case in so many DC stories. And this movie pulled it off. And it just it felt organic. It felt real. And everything about the scene works so well that like your hair will stand on end. You will stand up and just like jaw dropped like this is the most amazing thing i've ever seen and it's so unbelievably great and i will never ever forgive warner brothers for cutting it out of the first edition of this because apparently it was the first scene to go because nobody liked it at warner brothers fuck you warner brothers you were dead wrong on that one you get a big fart noise absolutely absolutely get fart noise that lasts four hours <laughs> uh as far as a favorite line goes i've already said it and, uh, and I'm going to stick with it. And it has to be that line from the trailer because it just cracks me up every time with the more, more, or more, or less. Uh, more, or less. He said no. He said no. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's so good. I swear as well that like, uh, Diana as well just goes, okay, after that as well. And I just love that. It's like, okay. Diana's always like, I should have gone. Yeah. I should have done it. No well, it's like what well, Alfred, I mean, Alfred makes a very good point. You know, maybe a man who broods in a cave for a living isn't cut out to be a recruiter. <laughs> uh, Matt what about you uh, scene and quote uh, my, there's so many scenes Like I, I could easily go with the um, the one you mentioned with Flash turning back time that, that music is incredible but you know so that's up there for me but another one of mine is uh, where Cyborg is learning his powers basically and you have that amazing sequence of him walking into this sort of like this digital representation of a bank and just the design of that place where you just see these floating piles of money and it represents the amount of money that each people has in their bank account and he goes up to this this very thin the, like the smallest one there and all of a sudden starts seeing clips from this the, the person who owns this bank account like from her life and her struggling to buy you know I think it's I think it's like formula or something um, Ooh, yeah like there's food and things like that. Um, then, then like she's been evicted. She's just she's crying, but then she's also giving money to a homeless guy, and she's trying to put on this really brave face for her kids, and it's just so heartbreaking. And then he grabs the pile of money and expands it out, and it, you just see her reaction as well. That's that nearly moves me to tears. Her reaction of like, you know, when she sees she's just got all of a sudden has a hundred thousand dollars in her account, it is just it's a beautiful scene, and then it's capped off with this uh, with Cyborg turn around and walks away, and then this couple walk past him and sort of like recoil away, and it's almost that thing of like, oh, and then he's still in that thing of like, yeah, I'm I am a monster as well. So it's such a, it's such a perfect scene. And the music again in there is amazing. The music throughout is incredible. Um, really is. Junkie XL it, fucking crushed it. Yeah, it's so difficult to choose one quote as well because there's just so many great ones. I think I'm going to go with it's the bit where um, Alfred and Bruce are talking about bringing uh, Superman back, and uh, Alfred says, uh, "How do you know your team's uh, your team's strong? How do you t- know your team's strong enough? If you can't bring down the charging bull, you don't wave the red cape at it." And Bruce Wayne just goes. 
you do when it's this red cape. This red cape charges back. And I just love that description of Superman. <laughs> That's so cool. Nice. It is. Uh, for me, we didn't talk about the, the character too much, but uh, Lois Lane, the scene where the fake Martha can't, um, tries to convince her to continue living her life uh, was particularly resonant with me. And I almost had to pause it, that particular scene. And to some extent, the revelation that it wasn't Martha Kent is like, uh, that to me was like probably the one blight in the movie. That, like, oh, cool character, but don't undersell their scene. Because the scene itself was extremely powerful and very affecting. Uh, and then just what I mentioned earlier for the quote, the I'm, I'm fixing a mistake. Those two moments just hit me emotionally in so many different ways that I can't help but kind of elevate those two for me, the best and favorite moments of this movie. And they're, they're wonderful moments. Like, but that, that's why I'm so sure this is in my top five favorite movies of all time. Cause there's a lot of good moments, so much good in it. Like the, the guy didn't really spend any time talking about my complaints in the movie. Cause they don't fucking matter. They're, they're so few and no. far between. It's like, fuck it. This movie's great. Yeah. I mean like the quotes as well, like the type of thing that you've got, there's some of the lines are just so great. And like, we'll talk about the humor, but it doesn't feel quippy as well. And it's like, you know, the, you got things in it where Flash is like, you have a satellite? And Bruce Wayne is just like, I have six. And it's just like a throwaway <laughs> comment of like, but that is so Bruce Wayne. Like, you know, he's so his character. It just seems like a small number to me, honestly. Yeah, I mean, this is the Justice League. You're all going to live in one of those satellites at some point. <laughs> so <laughs> I think we've done about as much as we can for today. Uh, and, and that means we got to say goodbye. Got to say goodbye to Zack Snyder, which is me a little sad. It's usually when I would do a wrap-up of what have we learned, but this was a very long episode, so I think we covered it. Um, yeah. So I think we're going to move into plugs, and then we're going to say goodbye. We might be saying goodbye to Chewie first, though. She's like three feet away from the microphone, like walking away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired, and I'm hot and thirsty. <laughs> All right, so very, right. very quick round of plugs, and then we'll say goodbye. Uh, be sure for this show and every other show on the ATH Network to check out ATHpod.com. Uh, two of our shows are taking a bit of a hiatus uh, this one uh, after this episode and Binge Buddies will be taking off the month of May but we will be back in June with a who, what, when, where and we either why or podcast in the shadows I uh, still have not decided on that title yet and then uh, I don't know what the next month at BTH will be but we'll announce it before we start recording it we have a few that we're yeah. thinking about Jackie Chan's name has been thrown around a few times and I, I'm kind of excited about that one it might be that yeah. one who knows mm -hmm. And uh, I may show up for some of those nights. episodes. <laughs> uh, John, what you plugging? Demon Days, as always, uh, still in our bi-weekly schedule, and we're getting we're leading toward a fairly big battle coming up, and uh, some interesting lore elements. And as always, Brian, you're doing a kick-ass job as the the narrator. Oh, and, thank you. And I always I'm excited to listen to those, even though I'm putting them in like the the evening before the episode is due. Like you know, I'm not working ahead. Yeah, but they're always a delight. I feel like I, I have another uh, combat coming up soon, which will be good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do love yelling combat in a Baluwag voice. Uh, Matt, do you have anything really quick to plug? Uh, I'm, I've gone back and started re-listening to uh, the Venture Brothers podcast. You know, Binge Brothers season one as it is now on the feed. <laughs> yeah. um, and I've been really enjoying that, actually. It's... Like it's it's making me want to go back and rewatch Venture Brothers again, which is you know not surprising, but yeah, it's it's been really nice just like, like listening through them, um, you know, before I came on and ruined it all by being a British asshole. Thanks um, a lot, you British asshole. 
Yeah, I know. It's just <laughs> you British boy. But yeah, I've been flying through them, to be honest. I'm, I'm partway through season two in like a week or something. So I've just been listening to walking them to, to and from work. And some of those early episodes are like, they are like short. And it's like, I think they, I think when they got longer was when I came on board. I'm not sure if there's a correlation there. Mm. It's almost like we have this <laughs> rambling British guy who joined our show. <laughs> No, Matt, you but, should do one know. podcast trying to do an American accent. See how well. No, I've heard his American accent. You don't want to hear it. It's no, it's horrifying. <laughs> it's, I, I don't know what you're talking about. My American do... accent is flawless. Was, was that it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> it's like everyone's just trying to do John Wayne. That is usually no. That's now them pilgrim. That was still British John Wayne. <laughs> I guess I'd learn today what that sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you everyone so much for listening. Uh, We will see you in June. Bye. 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 Bye.